Hi, everybody. Welcome to East to West Weight Loss Surgery, the podcast. I'm April Williams, and I'm the West. And I'm Jason Smith, and I'm the East. And we are here to support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. Today, we're diving into a topic that a lot of our followers have requested, and that is everything pre-op. So the title of today's episode is Weight Loss Surgery Pre-op, just the basics. We know that there's a ton that actually goes into preparing ourselves and our lives uh, for for the actual surgery. Uh, And we know that there's a lot of like surgeon required elements, there's a lot of medical required elements. So we're just gonna kind of touch on all of the basics uh, for what we have gone through uh, prior to surgery, and just you know, just know that these are our experiences. But really, your surgeon and your insurance company is going to require some very specific things that you need to do. You absolutely need to follow those to the letter, do them exactly as they're prescribed, uh, and and just know that that that's the foundation. So the other things that we're we're going to talk about today was we're we're going to kind of dive into a little bit of the emotional. Uh, side of things. We're going to dive into how we can prepare our friends and family for the changes. We're going to talk about how we can prep our home for the changes. So uh, it should be should be a pretty good episode. Jason, you and I, obviously, we've been through the same uh, procedure. We've both had a vertical sleeve gastrectomy or VSG, but we kind of prepped in different ways. So it's going to be exciting to, to compare and contrast our experiences. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, there's differences, there's similarities, but that's kind of going to be the case with everybody. Um, just because you you may know five people that had it done, but I guarantee you all five of those people didn't do the same things. No, which for is the most crazy. Part. It is. It's crazy because, you know, like everybody's been through the same procedure. The procedure was exactly the same, but how you actually got to the operating room, it varies. Like, it's just crazy. All the people that we talked to, it really varies person to person. So, yes, yeah. definitely going to be exciting. Okay. So we're just going to, we're, we'll just dive right in. The really cool thing that we love about um, our community and and how we record these is that you guys can actually watch these podcasts as well. So we we record them in zoom. So the the audio obviously gets uploaded to, uh, to our podcast feed and you can listen on your favorite podcast app, or you can go to our YouTube channel and all you need to do is search East, the number two West underscore WLS. So East to West underscore weight loss surgery. And then the, the video podcast will pop up. So you can actually, you can see us, which is sometimes fun because we're two adorable people. And uh, we tend to, we tend to show a lot of emotion on our faces. So sometimes watching us is a good thing too. <laughs> we definitely do. And make sure that if you do visit to like, and subscribe and uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Yep. That's the whole goal. Our whole goal, the whole reason Jason and I started this was that we really saw a lack of information about life before and after bariatric surgery when it comes to like the emotional uh, work and the the changes, just all of the big things that actually help us be successful after weight loss surgery. There was just not a lot of information there uh, out there about that. So that was really why we started East to West. We want to serve this community. We want to grow with this community. And that happens by you participating and watching and listening and liking and recommending and, and all that kind of good stuff. So all the support that you would like to give us, we would, we would love to have it. Definitely, definitely, mm-hmm. please. All right, so let's jump right in. So the first uh, pre-op basic category that we're gonna talk about is medical and insurance requirements. So pretty much no matter who who your insurance is or who your surgeon is here in the United States, they're gonna kind of cover four big things. They're gonna ask that you go through a physical evaluation, mental evaluation, 
nutritional uh, appointments or counseling, and then surgical appointments. So I know with my physical evaluations, I had to go through like scans, tests, blood work, all that kind of stuff. I had to actually physically meet with my surgeon uh, two times before to just talk about the procedure to answer my questions. Did you have any other physical things that you had to do, Jason? With mine, I had to meet with my primary care physician six times to discuss in-depth weight loss and diet. And we had to, actually, I had more than six, but I had to go back and do four more because they didn't like the amount of information my doctor on about dietary things that we spoke about, like calorie counts. And we didn't discuss actual exercise. She would just put diet and exercise on a couple of those and they weren't, that wasn't enough. So if you do have pre-op, you know, where you have to go meet with a primary care doctor, make sure that they're discussing calorie counts and the amount of exercise and what type of exercise so that you don't have to go back and do, you know, more work on top of work that's already done like I did. And I just had to do, meet with the bariatric surgeon uh, once for the pre-op or the the initial consultation to make sure that I even was a candidate for the surgery and what type of surgery I was a candidate for versus what type of surgery I thought that I would want or best would fit me. You know, we kind of went through that and me being, you know, 43 at the time and being such a high weight of 468 pounds, my surgeon told me straight, he's like, the the sleeve is the only thing I will do for you because you are too high risk um, with your age and your weight. So this is the only safe bet that we can do that I know is going to work. And if we have to adjust it later and go to the, the bypass after the fact, we can always do that. But starting with the sleeve is the best way for you based on your age and your weight. So. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's funny. I didn't have to do any of that. I just, I was qualified based on my BMI and I had sleep apnea. So I didn't even yeah. need to see a primary care position. I just, I, I called my, the Franciscan center for weight loss and they're like, oh, no, you're, you, you fit the criteria. Okay, perfect. <laughs> which, which I did once they figured out my BMI uh, and my, that I had sleep apnea and all that. But, you know, it's just those things that the insurance company wanted me to do and then had to do the normal, um, you know, meet with the psychologist and speak with her and do my, you know, psyche vow. Right. Then I had to go do the nutritionist. I only had to do one nutritionist appointment and I had to sign up for an online uh, support group, which I did. They want that they, if you could go to one in person, they recommended that. Yeah. But since the woman that runs the, is the was the nutritionist for my, uh, for my doctor's office, she just went ahead and enrolled me in the online course. Cause I told her, you know, with my work schedule and everything else, it was just better for me to do it that way. So I ticked off three boxes and I, actually, I remember with the steps being like eight steps, I ticked off six steps in one day just in being in the office. And I was just like, well, this is moving a lot faster than I thought it was going to. So it really went into hyperdrive real quick. And then I got hit with those four other appointments that had to be four consecutive months. So I was like, great, we're going to wait a little while. That's awesome. I was equally frustrated. Uh, I had to do five nutritional appointments and then an in-person kind of like pre-op. So they went over nutrition again and, you know, like how to care for your wounds and you know, how to do your medications if you needed them. Uh, and I too was a little bit annoyed. I was like, okay, I'm like ready now. And I felt like these are just hoops that I have to jump through. And all it's doing is giving me more time to like talk myself out of it. It was very frustrating. But I think 
looking back on it now, I did learn some really valuable information in, in those nutrition appointments and meeting with my surgeons and, and in the face-to-face. But I think it was also important too, because if, if you're getting, if you're talking yourself out of having the surgery, just going through nutrition appointments, then you're not going to be successful after the surgery anyways. So it's almost like, I mean, you know, it's almost like college, right? Like you jump through all these hoops to get this piece of paper that says I can do these basic skills. It's kind of the same with the medical appointments. It's like, no, they're going to run you through the gauntlet because if you can make it through just these most basic requirements, then you're going to have a better chance of finding success after surgery. So while I think it can feel like, um, you know, that you're jumping through hoops, there is a rationale behind those hoops and it's, it, it would behoove you to jump through them so that you can have the surgery and, you know, and, and, and get the tool that you need to, you know, to live, live life at your healthiest weight. But yeah, challenging. Well, it's funny that you say that too, because I had, they didn't really talk to me about my wounds and how to take care of any of that. Like I, I bypassed that part of it, or I was just still whacked out from the meds after the surgery and they told me about it and I didn't know. But the only thing I remember them saying is don't scrub them until all of the glue comes off of, oh, the, yeah. of the wounds. That's the only thing I remember about that part. But side note, my wounds are healing up fantastically and my scars will be very minimal. And that's amazing. So. Yep. yep, totally. I was, I was pretty amazed, uh, amazed too. Uh, and thing I was so thankful for, and everybody has access to this. I had so many questions right after surgery and I consulted my binder, right? I consulted the book and I couldn't find the answer in there. And every single time I called, they responded right away to my questions. They were very uh, cordial. I mean, that's something that they're paid to do is literally answer your questions. So if you have questions before surgery, if you have questions after surgery, they are literally there to help you. So consult the material that you have been given, read it thoroughly. And if you can't find the answer in there, then you definitely need to, to call and, and just get those answers because they want you to be successful. They don't want you to, you know, to, to throw stuff off. You know, and, well, and, the, and the same goes for the nutritionist as well. The nutritionist I found are, are the same exact way. If you have any questions that the binder doesn't that the binder doesn't cover, you call the office. And and even if it's not the actual nutritionist, some of the other ladies in the office in in my office were able to answer simple questions for me as well. Yes. Yep. Uh, super big help. Super help. You know, and the, the number one thing that I kind of recommend that you start right away. So as soon as you commit to, to surgery and, and you've had that first appointment, go by yourself or find in your house a notebook. And that is going to become your weight loss surgery notebook. That's where all of the questions that you have, you can write down. That's where you can take all of your notes when you go to all of these meetings. This is where you can write down your thoughts, your measurements, things that you're noticing after surgery. It was really handy for me just to have one book and I, it's, a, it's right here, actually, it's right in front of me, right? This, this is my weight loss surgery notebook. All of everything that has to do with the surgery, but you know, pre and post is in this notebook. And it's so nice because I know that there's one place that I can go for everything related to, to this journey that I'm on. So I, I highly recommend that you start yourself a, a weight loss surgery notebook. And this is, this is where everything goes. That way you don't have stuff scattered and different notebooks or binders or piece of paper, or you're trying to remember stuff in your head. Nope. Wri write it down. Or if you're a digital person, get a note going in your phone or on your tablet. And that is where all of your, all of your information goes. Definitely. You can also, um, 
you can use different apps. There's lots of apps out there yes. that uh, will help you keep track of that stuff. I know Berrytastic has been uh, great for me as far as that goes. You can also log your food in there as well. Yes. Inches, it keeps track of your BMI. It does all those things. So, I mean, there's lots of apps out there. Find one that works for you. Uh, the notebook is an amazing thing because trust me, you know, April, uh, April mentioned uh, measurements. And that's the one thing that I did not do. I did, I did photos. Uh, with a shirt on, without a shirt on, um, and I did not, but I did not do measurements. The only measurement I knew was my neck size because of buying dress shirts, and I really wish I would have done other measurements because there's going to be days post-op that the scale is not going to be your friend. Like, you're going to put all the work in. You're going to do everything right. You're going to do all your water intake, your vitamins, your, you know, everything you need to make it through the day like you're supposed to, and the scale's not going to move, or it's going to go up a pound or two, or sometimes three. Uh, water weight, you know, whatever it may be, the scale's not going to be your friend, but those measurements you look at, you could do those, and those don't lie. Those will let you know every single time how far you've come, and just because the needle on the scale doesn't move does not mean the tape's not going to, because I promise you, you will lose more inches than you lose pounds uh, a lot of the time. Yep. And that, that's actually, that's a, a whole nother like area that, that we really want to dive into pictures and measurements and taking measurements of things that you would have never thought about. Like my neck circumference, that was, I think that's a measurement even on the, in the Barry Tastic app. And I was just amazed at how, how, how much my neck has shrunk and just all kinds of, of areas, you know, your forearms, your, your, your upper arms, your upper thigh, your lower thigh, your calf, your, I mean, even like my, I know this sounds crazy, but like my foot circumference, I mean, mm -hmm. I've gone down in shoe sizes. Oh yeah. I mean, I've just like, I just can't believe where, where it's all coming from. So taking measurements and then I think also to like, you know, after surgery, really, you know, take your measurements every week or take them every other week, or just even when like, like Jason, like you said, like you step on the scale and, oh my God, I've gained weight. That's going to, you know, that threw me for a total loop. Like how could I possibly be gaining weight? But then when I took measurements, it's like, oh, well, you know, my, my body, my weight is doing some weird things, but I am shrinking. And that, that was the goal here. So yeah, taking measurements and recording them consistently, super important. Uh, the Definitely. other thing that I think is super valuable too, is taking a ton of pictures right now before surgery from every angle that you could every, possibly. Every angle. <laughs> right. And, and you are going to hate those pictures. You're going to look at those pictures and you're going to go, I'm deleting them. Don't save them because a month after surgery two months your entire life now moving forward you are going to want those pictures so you can look back at yourself and go oh my gosh look how far i've come on those dark days to be able to to say say like oh my god i can't believe i look like that and then to be able to recreate that angle or recreate that photo and see the difference is just unbelievably powerful that, it, yeah, it definitely is. That's going to be a, a huge thing moving forward for everybody because, you know, and, and the, you're going to want to get discouraged. You're going to want to be down on yourself if the needle doesn't move, if you've done it, especially if you've done everything right. Like, it's, it's funny that we're talking about this today because yesterday I got almost 6,200 steps in. 
I had all my water. I had all my protein. I had all my shakes. I had everything I was supposed to have yesterday. And I was really gunning for like a two or three pound loss. And I lost four ounces. And I was ready to scream this morning. I was super pissed. But I, I started digging in the closet because yesterday while we were on our way out to go uh, meet some people and I couldn't find something to wear that wasn't old clothes that are too big now. And so I start digging in the back back of the closet, which are clothes that I haven't worn since we moved to Florida five years ago. Wow. And I'm finding that a lot, like I've got shorts on right now that were purchased at old Navy. Oh, that's, that's, that's off for you. That that's off the rack, maybe <laughs> that hadn't happened. That has not happened for this guy in many many moons so the Aww. fact that I, the fact that I'm wearing something that did not come from a big and tall store is simply amazing to me and if I wasn't sitting around the head, if I was actually out in public I would need a belt like there I've got room so the, trust me just because the scale is not your friend does not mean those measurements will not come through in a clutch nope and you know and that's that's the other thing that I really wanted to encourage people to do is keep keep a set of your of the clothes that you wore at your highest weight or the clothes that you're wearing yes, now definitely. right even if it's like a pair of pants a shirt ladies i know this might seem a little bit weird but you know a bra and a pair of your underwear i mean i i i can't believe how um how small my chest has gotten and just to see side by side you know my old bra and and my new bra is just you just can't believe it. And to be able to really, you know, compare just your clothes, it's a really powerful touchstone that you can keep on those days that you're like, this is just bullshit and this isn't working and I'm pissed. And, you know, and when, when you want to just throw it all away and go back, you know, go, go back to a safe place, put on those, those, your fat jeans, put on your, you know, 4X t-shirt and just be amazed at the work that you've done. I mean, definitely. Yeah, super, super important. So um, I've even gone so far as I have a, a photo album on my phone now, and I think it's called Before. And every time I come across a picture, so I mean, I can go like deep. I've got, you know, almost 50,000 digital images now. So I can go deep into my, you know, my, my photos. And every time I find a picture of myself back in the day, I add it to that album so that if I need, if I need a boost or if I want to make a, a before and after picture, I I've got a whole bunch of them there. And, and I took very few pictures of myself right before surgery. I wish I had done more, but all of those pictures I, I moved there and thank God I didn't delete them. Cause when I look at them now, it almost makes me want to cry because I just, you know, I didn't see what I, I didn't see what I really look like. And looking at those pictures is very difficult. I just can't believe that that is really truly what I look like, but seeing what I look like now and, and having, you know, the confidence and the happiness that I do have now with my decision, it's okay. Th those pictures are not bad. They, they're, they're factual. That's what I look like. My life was still wonderful. I had friends who loved me. I was close with my family. I had done so many wonderful things in my life at that size that, that, that shouldn't, it isn't a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is, but I'm super thankful that, that those pictures are there because yeah. Right. Well, and, and like you're talking about the pictures, you can draw from the pictures just like you can draw from personal experiences. There's going to be an experience that you've had that we've all had at our at our larger size 
that we're going to remember, that we'll draw on, whether it was you couldn't fit on a roller coaster and you were super embarrassed, or for myself, you know, I've talked about it in the past, was going on a college visit with my son and not being able to make the, the whole trip because I couldn't walk that far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's things that are going to stick out. You can draw from those experiences just like you can the pictures or the clothes or the whatever else it may be. You're going to need all of it because there's going to be days where pictures just may not do it because you'll have something post-op called fat brain where no matter what you see in the mirror, you see your old self. So whether or not you take that picture and you look at the how you used to look and you can see how you look now, which is completely different, you may have to put those old clothes on. You may have to get the measuring tape. Like there's things you're going to have to do to propel yourself forward. The biggest part of it is that you propel yourself forward. Like you can't let, it's okay to feel bad or feel down or feel whatever it is for the moment. You just can't let it encompass how far you've come because this is a journey. It is a marathon, not a sprint. You will not be over this in a day. It will not be, you won't be over in a week. You're not going to have surgery and wake up the next day minus a hundred pounds. It's just not going to happen that way. Um, I know my journey, as much as I've lost the weight that I've lost in my two and a half months post-op, it's been different for April. It's been different for other people. There's other people that went and had surgery the same day I did who haven't come as far as me, and there's there could be people that have gone farther than I have in this time frame. This is a soul journey. You can be happy for those other people, or you can feel empathy for those other people if they haven't had as you know as, as good of a time as you have. But don't get wrapped up in those other people's journeys and and comparing them to your own. Because this, as much as we're in this all together as a group, your journey is your own. You're you're not going to, everybody's results may vary. Uh, That statement has never been more true than post-op weight loss surgery. Absolutely. Uh, isn't Isn't the saying comparison is the thief of joy? Exactly. And a hundred percent it is every time. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it, it's a catch 22 with this community, right? Because the, the community is nothing but supportive and it's so awesome to, to be able to see and read other people's experiences. But if you go a step further and you start saying, well, my surgery was, you know, th- that same month, but I've only lost 50 pounds and she's lost 75 right? Then all of a sudden you start going into this negative place and you start second guessing yourself and you start, you know, worrying and and no, right? If you have a, if you have a concern about your progress, call your doctor, call your surgeon, do not look at these other people and, and start, start doing that comparison game, right? If it, if it starts a question for you and you are questioning your progress, pick up your phone, call your surgeon, but do not think that you are not making progress because you go to those old clothes, you go to your measurements, you go to just the weight loss and you start thinking about all the years that you spent trying to accomplish what you have done post weight loss surgery. You got to get your mind right. Cause you, you've done amazing things. Just, just making the decision to have the surgery. You have done an amazing thing. So you need, you need to focus on, on gratitude for yourself. You need to, have joy for the people in our community who are doing it. You can be a part of that. And then, yeah, joy, joy for yourself. And that can be hard to do because we haven't, we haven't felt that a lot in our lives up to this point. 
That's that's very true. And another thing that I've seen a lot of people who have been posting a lot of Transformation Tuesday and kind of throwback Thursday pictures and things like that, you see a lot of the taglines in our community start with, well, I went back and forth on whether or not I should post this. And I really was self-conscious about let, you know putting this image out there. Look, we've all been there. We know what we look like with or without a shirt on. Like we, we know. We so all have those images. <laughs> we we all have them, and do not please. You know, one of the, my favorite thing is no have no shame in your game. Just post the pictures because it's a tremendous difference from where you were to where you are now. Thirty pounds, twenty pounds, fifty pounds. It doesn't matter. It's all progress, and it all should be applauded. So the changes are going to be there. Like I said, just because the, 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 the pound count may not be the same, the inch count's going to win out. So as long as you're just, you know, put it out there, let everybody see, because not only is it liberating for yourself, it also lets other people, because you never know who you're inspiring. You, you can put a post out there and, you know, like I alluded to in some of the, you know, the previous shows, I was on the fence about having surgery until I found someone that was my same body makeup and around my same size. When I saw the positive, you know, the positives that he got from the surgery and the, the new life that he had and the way he was able to, the way his body responded to the surgery, it wasn't until then that I really finally made the, the hard, the hardcore decision to have the surgery in the first place. So you never know who you're going to inspire by putting your story out there. And, you know, the support you'll get back will be tenfold. I promise you that. I agree completely. I don't think any one of us, uh, I think it's impossible to make the decision to have weight loss surgery without being inspired by somebody else. Because there's still, there's that much shame. There's that much misinformation in the world still about weight loss surgery that until we connect with somebody who's done it until we can see ourselves in somebody else's story we won't we won't make we, we won't make that leap so and you and i've talked about this all the time right the again we want to share our stories to inspire others who are maybe on the fence we want to share our stories so that people can empathize right because you grow community when you find connections with people and it's but we only do that by being vulnerable and we only do that by sharing things about ourselves that maybe we don't necessarily want to share, but that's how, that's how personal growth happens. And that's how community growth happens. And that's how others are inspired. Just like with, with what you said. So that's a, that's a really good segue into the other aspect of, of pre-op that you and I wanted to touch on today. And that is the emotional changes or the, the, the emotional things that we are going to experience before weight loss surgery. We know that the emotional changes that experiences are great afterwards, but you know, beforehand, you and I were talking earlier, you know, it's, I felt like I knew that I was preparing to break up, to, to, to go through this breakup with this relationship that it's the longest, the, the most brutal, abusive, yet wonderful relationship I've ever had. And that was my relationship with food. And I knew that after surgery, I was going to have to break up with food. I was going to go through a, you know, I was going to go through a breakup. Like I've been through breakups with, you know, with, with people in my life and oh my God, that's, it's just brutal. I mean, we all know what a breakup feels like. It's, it's gut wrenching. So it's, it's, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, no, it definitely is. 
and you know it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword because not only is it a breakup of the types of food you used to like to eat but it's also the amount of food that you used to eat uh, or that you're used to eating now you get to a point where you know and and your mind will still tell you because like i said i'm two and a half months post-op and the other night i made the biggest bowl of taco salad i think i you know i've ever seen and it it was hilarious because yeah no uh, that, that wasn't even I don't even know what made me grab the bowl. Like I said, I just dumped it and put all the stuff in there and was like, no, I'm good. My wife's like, where are you going with that? And I was like, I'm going to eat it. She's like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> and so I, I, and I laughed and I ended up giving it, you know, to her and she made a bowl for my wife, for, for herself and for our son. <laughs> and I made my little tiny bowl and went onto the couch and just <laughs> did what I was going to do in the first place, which was eat half of, you know, half a quarter of a bowl of of taco salad because I mean I you just there'll be times where you're you're on autopilot and your mind just takes over and you're you slip into something old and without even thinking about it like my intention was of course not to eat this giant bowl it just I wasn't even thinking about it and put it together like normal you just it's one of those things where you're you're you'll become more conscious over time but you will still slip every now and then and do something silly like that. Well, that, that's a really good point, which I, I never even thought about. But there is, I, I did get a lot of comfort in looking at a big plate of food. It's just something comforting about it. I don't know if it was just the fact that like what it was going to provide or it was like, oh God, I'm just so excited about this. You know, obviously my relationship with food was horrible, um, you know, b- before oh, yeah. weight loss surgery. So yeah. And that was a disappointment for me after is that, you know, you're so used to comforting yourself or you're so used to having this giant plate of food. And then after weight loss surgery, you know, you've got like, you know, I mean, it looks like some f- super fancy cuisine, you know, I'm going to pay $300 for four ounces of food. Yes. But, yeah. But that's what it is. So, you know, you really do need to, you know, I, I think part of the emotional experience is that you are going to very quickly come face to face with the reality of your relationship with food and nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to, um, you know, nobody wants to be called out on just how connected you are with food, but it is the truth. That's why we are in the position that we are in. That's why we go through weight loss surgeries because we know that we need a tool to help us get right with this, you know, relationship uh, with food. So if before surgery, you are feeling anxious or sad or mad about this breakup that you know is coming, that's normal. And um, I don't know what you can do about it besides just being cognizant and aware that this is coming. And even thinking back on you know, previous breakups that you've had with boyfriends or girlfriends or, you know, or friends, or, you know, if you've been through this, this, you know, this disconnect before, I would maybe encourage you to think about what you did to get over that breakup. And then maybe even get yourself in that mindset again. How did you get over that, 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 that breakup? And, you know, maybe just kind of prepare yourself for, to do it again in terms of food. Well, and, and the thing about it, it's funny that you say that from, because uh, for myself, I know that, I, you know, even, even I, I would venture to say even after post-op, I was still in the denial of the fact that, well, I don't have a problem with food. 
I have, you know, my thyroid went out and even though I'm taking medication from a thyroid, my thyroid still doesn't work quite like it should. So, you know, that's probably a lot of why I gained the weight that I gained in the first place. And I got a little medical issues and, you know, there's, there's things like that that are why, you know, instead of, instead of thinking the fact that, you know, my, my farewell to food tour post, you know, pre-op was I went and crushed a 22 ounce porterhouse steak with, you know, with a, a giant side of mashed potatoes and all this yeah. other stuff. And of course you had to throw dessert in there too, but that definitely wasn't the problem. It was my thyroid, my medical problem. So. Boy, that, that ties into what we were uh, actually talking about earlier with Wendy. That, that sounds like an incredible story you were telling yourself. Some straight I up believed, news. I, I believed every word of it. I believed every, 100%. I was, I, I, since I'm such a medical professional, I talked myself right into believing that it was all my medical problems and not the fact that I ate like a freshly freed hostage every time I sat down. <laughs> oh, man, there's, there's a truth bomb right there. Man, we need to, we need to put that on, on a graphic. I'm fat because I ate like a freshly freed hostage. That's why. It's true. I mean, that is, that is the true story right there, sir. I mean, yeah, news. 100%. <laughs> and that's every time I sat down. You know, I don't, I don't have anxiety and I've never taken Xanax, but I know kind of the, the gist of it. And that's honestly kind of how I, when I think back on some of the stuff that I used to do and the stuff I used to eat, yeah. that calming feeling that rushes over you when the plate's in front of you and you know it's go time, you know, you're just like, that, that to me is, is how I know now how important that relationship with food really was to me because just the knowing that you're starving, you know, cause you don't just get, when you're big like us, you don't just get hungry. You're starving. Yeah, you're and you're, yeah exactly. And you, you know, that, that's the thing. And you're not going to be done until you feel like you've eaten a couch cushion and it's just sitting in your stomach and you're, you know, you can barely move. And that's what that, you know, that's your, that's your done point. You're like, Oh, now I'm full. Like, and, and now it's just not that way. And it's so much better for not only just your everyday life, but you can actually eat something and continue on with your day. You don't have to have a nap and you don't have to rest and you don't have to let your food process. And yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a true, it's a true gift. And that is, I, I absolutely, I dude. As soon as you, you said something, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I, a flashback to, to pre-surgery, right? The anxiety would build in me, hungry I, I got, right? Something's wrong, it's, oh my God, I'm just, uh, you just get so worked up because you are so hungry, you're angry and you're, yeah, you're, you're anxious. And then the feeling of relief at just like preparing the food and eating the food and then that time afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it really is just like you zone out for an hour or two, you know, while you're eating and then as you're processing this giant meal that, that you've just done. And it is, yeah, I mean, the flip side to that is now there's, I have very little anxiety around food. I mean, almost none. And I, I don't get panicked when I see tiny amounts of food on, on the plate anymore. And I am so satisfied and I'm full and I don't worry. Like you said, like, yeah, I can, I can go do whatever the hell I want to do after a meal because yeah, I haven't eaten a couch cushion. I've eaten the perfect amount of food. Yeah, just, wow, yeah, spot on, spot on. It's, yeah, it's it's a very liberating feeling to not be so tied down to meals and snacks and all yeah. of the above. Like, you kind of you keep a running tally in your head about, you know, where you are, you know, 
nutrition wise as far yeah, as your exactly. nutrients you've taken in for yeah. the day yeah protein. You know, making sure yeah making sure you got enough protein making sure you got enough water like i'm horrible at math but this if nothing else has has kind of helped keep a running like i can keep a running tally enough to know if i'm short yep. and you know the only anxiety i think i've had since this has all happened is is remembering one night that i don't think i was enough in my my protein count so i went and grabbed a little shake and little 11 ounces and took care of that real quick and, and got that in there. But I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the thing you, you, you learn. Cause to me before surgery, I was the, I was the cook. I cooked slabs of ribs. I cooked pork. Like I was the smoker king. Like I would cook smoke just pounds and pounds and pounds of meat. I would do two pork butts at a time, which is about 22 to 25 pounds of pork shred it we'd eat off of that for you know a week we'd have rat we'd have ribs but it wouldn't be just a slab of ribs it would be four ribs four slabs of ribs because you got to season them different you got to have variety and you got to mm -hmm. have all that you know briskets the same way chicken the same way so i mean in, instead of doing you know a couple of chicken thighs on the smoker i would do an entire you know a couple two or three cornish game hens and have those and just have you know just everything was excess and now you learn to shift that love of cooking or i have learned you know learned to shift that love of cooking into different meals that have a lot more color in them because there's more vegetables instead of just you know brown for meat white for potatoes and you know done deal maybe a little bit you know, a few green beans on the plate but you know past that now it's like the, the learning to cook something that's completely different or separate than what you've known to do for me i've kind of turned it into a little bit of a labor of love from just one aspect to another. And it's it's really helped me kind of get right with what I need to be doing. I, what you said, we're, we're, we're gonna talk about that a little bit further on in the show, but kind of the, 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 the last meal mentality, we're absolutely gonna, we're gonna dive into that because what you said is, is very true. Before a surgery, we think about food very differently. After surgery, we, we think about it, yeah, very, very differently. And I think it's important to know, your joy of food will not go away. It's just going to shift. So you love food now for some reasons that are not so healthy. You're gonna love food after surgery for different reasons and you're gonna love food because it's nutritious and, and the variety. So it's, you're, you're, you're definitely gonna shift. Uh, before we move on to that though, there were two other things I really wanna make sure we, talk, we hit on when we talked about emotional uh, experiences before surgery. What I found something that I did was a huge help is that I knew, I, I was already getting bombarded with questions when I started to tell people I was gonna have weight loss surgery. And they always kind of started with like, oh, wow, that's you know big, or do you really need to do that? Or, you know, I mean, all of these questions about why I had made the decision to do what I do. And what really helped me is I came up with a canned response. So every time somebody came at me with a, oh, you know, question or statement, I had a, I had a response that I had written out and I had practiced. And I said that every single time somebody questioned my decision to have weight loss surgery. It was a huge help for me pre-op. And I recommend it to anybody who asked me like, well, you know, what are your tips? Come up with your canned response. What is it that you are going to tell people when they ask you? And, it, and that canned response can be absolutely anything. But for me, it was more about well, I need, a, I need a tool to help me live at, at a lower weight. I've done all my research. This has a great success rate. It's, it's less invasive. Uh, and I'm ready to make a change in my life. 
So it was a statement. It, it did not invite more questions. It was just, this is what I'm doing. We're done talking about it. And there were some people that wanted to continue the conversation and that's totally fine. But at least by me having that canned response, I could set up the conversation how I wanted it, how I wanted to set it up because people are going to come at with you. And I think that's why a lot of people to this day, I know probably 10 people who have told me they've had weight loss surgery, but nobody else in their world, besides maybe their husband or their immediate family knows that they've done it. And it's just mind boggling to me, but it's because they said, well, you know, people came at me with, you know, judgment and questions and I just don't want that. And I was like, oh my God, that's like freaking bullshit. Right. But I, you know, for whatever the reason, I think ha having that canned response is a super powerful thing that you can do pre-surgery uh, to not only you know, to not only get people off your back, but I also think the more times that you say it, the more you will believe it, right? So even if you're still a little bit on the fence and, and Jason, I, I told you this the other day, I was 100% committed to having surgery, but I was only 90% sure that it would work. And people in my life are like, oh, I would have never known that. Like you were just committed. And then it's like, well, yeah, because, you know, as I've talked about, I've, I've got a couple identities that I like to, you know, share publicly and I've got different private ones. But, you know, knowing that I was only 90% sure that it was work, that it would work. Every time I said my canned statement, it become more, it became more and more true. So that that was my, that was my truth. That was my story. Nope. This is why I'm doing it. Here's the research that I've done. This is it. And it just really helped solidify my decisions so that when I was in the hospital, laying on that table, about to get the mask, you know, put on me to go under, even though I had a little bit of, you know, gnawing uh, thought in the back of my head, I could repeat that mantra. I could repeat that statement. Nope, this is why I'm doing it. This is the reason. I've done my research. I'm good to go. So I, th that's my recommendation to help people emotionally prepare for surgery. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely a good one because I, like myself, I didn't tell, I mean, there, there was a few people that knew ahead of time, um, but I didn't have anybody that detracted from mine. Everybody was real supportive of it in my immediate circle. My dad actually was the only one that had questions about it because, you know, he's older. So in his mind, he remembers 20 years ago, bariatric surgery where he used to kill people. And, you know, people would die. And it's not only a, whether or not it would work, it was whether or not you survived it. Yeah. And, and I got, you know, I, I got his mindset of it. And, you know, he kept reverting back to saying, that, asking me if I was having that band put around my stomach. And I'm like, <laughs> no, man, they don't even do that anymore. Like, calm down. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, explaining to him the whole foreign body in the, you know, in, inside of you doesn't work and it kicks it out we don't do that. So now we're going to do this. And I explained it to him and, and he, he calmed down a little bit about it, but he was still nervous because of course, you know, it's his child and going under anesthetic and get cut on is a big deal, no matter what happens. And, and it's funny to me because even still, <laughs> I keep having to tell him because even still to this day, he'll call and go, well, is everything going okay? How you feel? And I'm like, dad, I'm like, I'm good. Like I, the yeah. worst part's over. Like all the worrying, like we're done with that. That was two months ago. Like I, yeah. Yeah. If I was going to have problems, I'd have had them by now. Like, I'm, I'm straight. Like, don't, yes. don't worry about it. And so, you know, that part for me was the only person I had to explain anything to. But I held off to the, to the greater, like, my, my greater circle, I should say, like Facebook friends and things like that. Um, you know, I, I mentioned something about it right before I went in. 
just specifically to kind of give a heads up because I had done weight loss stuff on Facebook in the past. And I, I'm kind of one of those people that has a lot of, I've got a close group of people that I went to school with that I'm truly friends with. So I don't have a lot of Facebook people that I've never met before. Um, uh, pretty much everybody that I'm friends with on Facebook, I have a connection with in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, I've done Facebook updates and on weight loss and stuff I've tried in the past and had a real support behind it. So I felt it to myself. I felt that I needed to be honest with those people and say, Hey, you know, all the other all the other things that we've tried, the trial and errors, we're going to bypass all that. Now we're going to do this. So you supported me for that. Now I just need a little uplift and thoughts and prayers, you know, going forward before I go under the needle for this. And, you know, all, my, my response was 100% positive on that, which was great, fortunate for myself, because I know a lot of people don't get that. Um, and so for me, I really didn't need the canned response or to tell people anything. I had one prepared because I thought that I would get a little pushback from it. Surprisingly, I didn't. But it's definitely something that you want to have, you know, loaded ready because you may have some people that do it. The biggest, most important thing about it is remember your why. Just in your mind, keep your why at the forefront. No matter what people say, don't listen to, I don't care if you run up against somebody that says, I know nine people that had the surgery done and all nine fake. Mm -hmm. Like we've told you time and time again, everyone else's story is not your story. So keep your, keep your why in the front of your mind so that when those people say that, you can go, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Here's why I'm doing it. And thank you for your feedback and just keep it moving because no matter what happens, you can't let somebody else change your mind because at the end of the day, you have to do the surgery for yourself to be successful. Absolutely. Right. Pre preparing your friends and family for what you're, what you're about to go through, I think is a critical step in preparing for, for weight loss surgery. And, uh, while we know there are going to be people in our lives who support our decisions, there, there could be people in our lives who will not support our decisions. And being prepared for both of those instances uh, it, it just gives you the power that you need to continue to move through the process of being approved and then uh, of going through, through weight loss surgery. You know, because I think the, 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 thing, the, the powerful thing about friends is that, right, there are people that we connect with, we have a lot of similarities with. But there's also this um, outsider mentality that can take over in, in our groups of friends, right? Like everybody kind of wants to be, you know, you're, you're in a friend group because everybody's kind of the same. And then all of a sudden when somebody busts out of that mold or starts doing things a little bit differently or starts, you know, living different sets of values or kind of, you know, sh you know not only physically shape shifts, but then is also kind of doing this, these, the mental and emotional shifting, the group kind of has to, uh, you know, like reshuffle a little bit, right? Because your dynamics have changed. And in this whole concept of, of, you know, becoming an outsider can really drive some divides between people, right? Because I think a lot of people struggle with weight publicly or privately. And when all of a sudden you make public, hey, I'm doing something about it, this is what I'm doing, all of a sudden brings to, to, to everybody's uh, you know, public acknowledgement that, oh, we can do something about something that we're struggling with. And here's a person, here's my friend, here's an example of that who's actually doing something. And what that does is it, 
it makes everybody else check themselves, check the stories that they've been telling themselves, right? Because people in your friend group might have been saying, well, I, I can't ever lose weight or I can't do that because X, Y, and Z, right? So that's the story that they have been running with their entire lives. Well, then here comes you, their close friend, that's going, oh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a different narrative. I'm going to tell a different story. I'm taking a different path and I'm going to make some changes. Well, now that means that they have to reflect on their own story because maybe what they've been telling themselves is a lie and they don't want to do it, right? They, it, they're comfortable where they're at, even though they're feeling bad about themselves. This is, this is more comforting than trying something new, than taking a risk. And that can cause some, some issues in, 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 in friends groups. So I think, you know, being honest with your friends and letting your friends know, hey, look, this is why I'm doing it, I've, you know, X, Y, and Z, and asking them for their support in specific ways can be really helpful, right? Because you just saying your friends like, well, I'd really like your support. Well, that can mean a lot of different things. And especially if, if you're asking people to support you because you're going through something that they're totally unfamiliar with, they might not know how to support you. So being very specific with your friends and even like, even with some of my friends, I even assigned them some tasks, right? I, I had a, one of my very, I've got a lot of very close friends. And when I told this friend that I was having uh, weight loss surgery, she was very much like, oh my gosh, well, now I'm like really worried about you. Like now I'm worried, now I'm like worst case scenarioing this, or I'm thinking like, you know, I'm worried about you dying or I'm just, you know, she got so worried. And so I literally tasked her with, okay, I need you to do this research for me. I need you to look into exactly what's going to happen. And I need you to, to tell me about like, you know, stats and numbers and, and all this kind of stuff, because I knew that it was information that she needed to be okay with it. And it would give us a, a, a line of communication that we could then talk clinically about this, right? She and I are both very analytical and it was like, no, let's talk numbers. Like, let's talk evidence. Let's talk this and that. And it was such a great tool that she and I could both use to, to get on the same page about what I was doing. And it was a task for her to, to, to help support me because now all of a sudden I could go like, okay, well, okay, but what about that? Like, I remember you researched that, you know, tell me more about, about that. So it was a way for, for her to help. And you can do that with, with everybody. I mean, the tasks are endless and the support that your friends and your family can give you are endless if you are specific with them. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. Um, and it does help to have somebody who's worrying about it do research into it so that way, because people, people learn information a lot differently. You got your visual learners, you know, your, your read, write learners and, and people that are auditory learners. So just telling them that everything's going to be okay because you saw this and this doesn't always help. No. So if they need to watch a YouTube video, they can. I mean, the, the research is everywhere that they can do that they can pick up on it in, in whatever way makes them comfortable. Yes. And they may not like the pressure of doing it right in front of you or another friend group. They may want to do it on their own time. So that that's just something that's going to put them at ease if they're doing that. Um, otherwise, you know, like I said, it, it's really up to you because your, you know, your why is what you need to focus on whenever you talk to other people about what's going on. So, yeah, Absolutely. You know, and I think the other thing that, that you, that you can start thinking about now and even generating a list is that, I think if you really think about the activities or the things that you do with your friends and family, a lot of them are food centered or they're food centric, they're food focused. 
And right after surgery, that's not going to be enjoyable for you or for them, right? Because people are going to freak out at how little you're eating. They're going to think something's wrong. You might feel the pressure to eat, or you just might not feel like eating at all. And now, right, that connection is broken between you and your friends or your family. Um, and what I did is I sat down before surgery and I generated a list of things that I wanted to do with my friends and family that did not involve food. And it was super powerful because then I could also have conversations with my friends about like, you know, hey, I mean, after surgery, like clue, I'm not going to be eating as much. Or it's going to look different. And I still am excited to go and do those food centered things with you. But I would like to also start doing things that don't involve food all the time and they're just not centered around food. Right. So I love going to the ocean. So it was like, I'm super excited to like take a beach trip with you guys and just like fly kites and look for sea glass and do all this kind of stuff. Or, you know, I, I love, uh, you know, getting out on nature and hiking. I would love to take a photography class or I really want to learn, you know, how to paint. So I just really generated this list of things that I was excited to do with my friends that were not solely focused on food, right? So yes, happy hours are never going away for me. Going out to a fancy restaurant, that is never going away. Those are things that I absolutely love. But having the conversation, thinking about things that I wanted to do that were, that were not necessarily focused around food was super helpful. Because I know that going to the beach is gonna involve a picnic lunch and it will probably involve stopping at an ice cream shop to get my favorite ice cream, which only exists in this one place, which is totally fine. But the, the focus of the event is not the food. The focus of what we're doing is doing something other, doing something physical, doing something active, learning something new, making that list, focusing on that list is going to give everybody in your world a, a sense of relief, right? Because now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, so really nothing is changing. Instead, right, instead of the focus of our gathering is, well, we're going to go to the beach, but really we're just doing it so we can go to the restaurant. No, we're going to the beach so we can and we have to eat because we're humans, so we will, we will eat at some point. But just making that shift uh, was huge for me and, and really, um, really important for my friends. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, letting people know that, you know, while there will be minor changes in, you know, dietary things for yourself, um, it, it's not like everything's going to change. You can still have family dinners. You can still have family get-togethers. Like you said, happy hour, things like that that go. Like friends, our, our friends and I, once everything opens back up, we normally do trivia uh, at least once a week. And those are always at a restaurant or a bar. So, you know, those types of things didn't ever change. Birthday parties, pool parties, all that stuff's still the same. It's just your bowl's going to look a little different than everybody else's. And if you're like me, they gave me crap about it because I'm a giant human that had this little tiny cup of food. And it's just funny looking. It's funny looking to me just like it is everybody else. So it's it's funny because they're used to seeing me with the biggest plate or the biggest bowl or whatever. And I'm still now I'm running around with this little tiny Tupperware bowl. And I mean, it is funny. But, you know, that, that's really the main thing is just letting people know that while there will be changes, just don't set, you know, the, the biggest place for yourself. And if you have to start bringing your own cups and bowls and silverware and stuff to put to places, then like, you know, don't, don't be afraid of doing that because whatever's going to help you succeed, you need all the tools at your disposal. So if you know you're going somewhere that doesn't have what you need, bring it because you got to have it and the only it's nobody else's you know nobody else is tasked with helping you succeed other than you. yep 
Absolutely. Well, not to segue into the next one to talk about was we prepare our spaces for life after, after surgery, right? So we can do a lot of work in our homes now, pre to help us be successful post-op. So were there things that you did, Jason, around your house to help you um, prepare for surgery? I moved a lot of the things that I know that I can't have into a different area or moved, just started getting the stuff that I know I can have. And I put it in a separate, I separated it out from everything else so that I'm not tempted when I go in the pantry to grab bread or to grab crackers or chips or whatever that may be. So my stuff's just moved to a different cabinet. I mean, I wasn't, since I, you know, since a, a lot of us live with other people, I, you know, my change is my change. I'm not going to force them to do anything different than they did than, than they normally do. You know, uh, for myself, I just knew that I, I don't want to look at the things that are, that I can't have or that are bad for me. So I moved my own stuff in, into a different area for, for me. And I, uh, I just live with my husband and my 13 pound, uh, for 10. And I, I, did the same thing too. I moved some stuff and then I kind of quickly realized, okay, moving it, if I move it, I know where it's at. So I just ended up throwing everything away. I mean, I just, you know, the really about the week before surgery, I just went through our kitchen and our pantry and I threw away a ton of stuff. Cause I just, I knew I did not want to be, want to be tempted. And what I threw away wasn't food that we should have been eating Anyways, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't nutritious. So it's not like I was, you know, throwing away apples or whatever, but you know, just the stuff that I knew I couldn't, I couldn't have right after surgery. And, you know, the other thing I did too, and, and I'd heard this advice from other people and I'm glad I followed it is bef a couple months before surgery, I really started to, to, to drink more protein shakes and I would incorporate them in smoothies and stuff like that. And I had a bit of a stockpile and I made an effort to get through all of my stock. And I did not buy a bunch of stuff for after surgery because people told me like, your tastes are gonna change and you're gonna be stuck with 30, you know, 30 bottles of something that now tastes disgusting to you. And I'm so glad I did that because my taste absolutely did change after surgery. So I just bought a couple bottles of Gatorade. I bought a couple just individual, you know, shakes. And, and I did not, I didn't have a stockpile because I just, I, I, I had a feeling it would change. And I would, I was really glad that, that I had done that. So that would be my recommendation for people too. Don't, don't buy the Costco pack when you're a week, a week prior, buy a couple of different flavors and then, you know, try, try a bunch of different things because I couldn't believe how instantly my taste changed. I mean, as soon as I got home, I, I drank something that I used to love and I was like, oh my God, this is just the worst thing ever. That's so funny that you say that because my taste did not change at all. Oh, uh, not, not, e not even a little bit. What? I can, everything I still, I used to eat and drink, I, I could do it now and it tastes amazing. It tastes fantastic. What? I, I still drink the same protein shakes I drank before surgery and they're, they're, they do what they're supposed to do. The only thing that I will say is I have a, a heightened sense for uh, sweet stuff. So mm -hmm. if it's got real sugar in it, it's where it would not have been super sweet before. It's uber sweet now. Like it's crazy. That, that part is the only change that I've had so far. Yes. Is the fact that, that the sensitivity has heightened quite a bit. 
Yeah. Oh, I absolutely echo that. I used to really enjoy Premier Protein makes a clear protein beverage. You know, it's all mm -hmm. water. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love, I mean, I would, I would pound those things like none other before surgery. And after surgery, I had that, I think those were the one thing that I had too many of left and I just, I couldn't do it. They were so sweet to me. I just, yeah absolutely couldn't do it but yeah the sweetness thing holy moly that that is real for sure real yeah, um the other thing that i did too is that i knew so i get stressed out if there's a lot of clutter if there's you know shit on counters and there's just stuff everywhere i just my stress rises my anxiety rises i, I just can't calm myself so my other recommendation to people would be clean your spaces that you're going to recover in. Like maybe you don't have the energy, the capacity to clean your whole house. I absolutely get that, but you're probably going to be recovering in your bedroom. They're probably going to be recovering in your, you know, living space. I would do whatever you could do to get those spaces clean and organized and decluttered so that your brain is not worrying about that stuff as you're also trying to recover because really during your recovery, you just need to chill. You need to chill out, don't do anything, and it's going to drive you crazy because as you're sitting there in recovery, you're going to be thinking about all of these things that you could be doing or that you should be doing, but you physically cannot do them because you are recovering from major surgery. And almost none of us have been through this type of recovery before. So having your space clean, I think will, will help you not stress out about that. And then my other piece of re recommendation is now gather books, magazines, download your podcasts, your you know, shows on Netflix, spend, know that you've got time coming up that you are going to be forced to do nothing. The flip side to that is you now have the time to learn and listen and watch and read the things that you have maybe been wanting to do for a while. So create yourself, um, you know, a, a space, put books and magazines that you want to read. Uh, if you like podcasts, right, download a bunch of them and get them organized and, and you know, have them at the ready for, for, for your recovery. Gather all these things that you've wanted to do for a while because you're, you're going to have, you know, a week, two, three weeks where you're going to be real low key because you can't do anything else. And it's a great time to learn and listen and watch and, you know, and do those things that you've been waiting to do. It definitely is, and I, I cannot stress enough, like, you're, you're going to want to do things, but please do not until your surgeon tells you otherwise, because trust me, I, I'm, you know, I, we've talked about this before. I'm six foot four, you know, 400 pounds post-op, and I'm going to tell you the hardest thing ever was to sit on the front porch and watch my wife and my son do yard work cut limbs down, have to drag limbs to the curb. And I just had to sit there because I could not lift anything even close to five or oh, five pounds or over. And I know all my neighbors probably think I'm the biggest bum there is because I just sat there and watched them do all this yard work. But you just have to let it happen because that's part of the process. Like you can walk. That's what you can do. Yeah. You can get up, you can walk, you can drink your water, you can do your things. That's your whole job. And it's going to be that way for at least the first four to six weeks. Um, recovery times are going to vary. I was back to work in six days, didn't have any issues. I was sleeping for myself. I know a lot of people say they slept in a recliner for the first like two to three weeks. I, um, I slept in my bed, uh, posted up on pillows the first two nights after that I slept on my back on my side I didn't have any problems couldn't sleep on my stomach but 
uh, I slept on my problem. Um, you'll know, like my left, for me, my left side was a little more sore than others because that's where they took the excess stomach out. So I, I had a little deeper incision on that side. So when I rolled over in the middle of the night for the first like week, uh, I knew it woke me up. Like you could feel it. But I know that there's other people that, that don't sleep in their bed for the first two, three weeks. So it's it's going to depend. It's going to vary. Uh, just take it so, so very easy because, yeah. you, you know, your body's going to let you know if you've done too much or if you're trying to do something that you're not ready to do. And I think the the struggle, and it sounds like the struggle was for you too, is at first I felt really guilty about not being able to help or contribute. Uh, and it, it really kind of wore on me. But then I just had to check myself. I would just been through major surgery. A, my stomach was removed from my body. So when you put it in those terms, yeah, you need to chill. You need to do nothing. You need to recover. And you recover by doing nothing. I know it sounds backwards, but you know, really when you're, when you're thinking about how you're going to prep for recovery or when you're thinking about your recovery, you can do work now pre-op, right? And that is having the conversations with, with your, the people you live with. Hey, look, this is what my life is going to be like for the first four weeks. Uh, you know, I'm going to need you to step up in these areas or I'm going to need your help in these areas, right? So to really kind of prepare people for, for what, you're, what they need to do to help you recover. Um, you know, knowing that you're going to be in a lot of pain, but you need to follow your doctor's orders to the letter. You need to stay on top of pain meds if they're given, or you need to stay on top of your anti-inflammatories. You need to pay special attention to your wounds. You need to not move and lift and twist and bend. Following all of those things to the letter is really going to help you prepare uh, for, you know, for, for your recovery and, and to, to recover well. Um, you know, the other thing that I did and my, my surgeons and the nurses credited my really rapid recovery like you, Jason, was that I walked 10,000 steps a day for the first four weeks after surgery. And I had not walked 10,000 steps consistently, you know, if years prior to surgery. But as soon as I was, you know, up and awake and conscious and feeling somewhat human again after surgery... I walked in the hospital every half an hour. I was getting up. I was walking, using the restroom, doing my water, doing all of those things. So knowing that walking, as simple as that might sound, is really going to help you prepare uh, or is going to help you recover means that you can actually start getting those steps in now because the more, uh, you know, not fit, but just the more able that you are before surgery, the, the better your recovery is going to be afterwards. So even if you're like a month out from having surgery and you're listening to this podcast, the number one thing that I could recommend that you do right now to help you have a better recovery is start walking now. Get in those steps. Make it a part of your daily habit. Make it a part of your daily routine because walking after surgery was the, the biggest thing that I could do uh, post-op for sure. Right. No, that's true too. And I know uh, for me, I had a lot of nervousness leading up to the surgery, maybe like the, the, the night before, or even if you, it winds up for you a couple of days before, you can always go through the house and, and like April said, clean up your area, kind of get everybody together and help kind of clean and, and get some things done pre-op that you're not going to be able to do post-op. So that kind of alleviates some of those worries, uh, things like that, that you can do kind of to help prepare and get ready. Um, the walking is also a huge thing because it, even if 
you're not able to walk near as far as you will be able to after surgery or during your liquid diet when you start shedding weight. Um, if you're like me, like I had to, I had to do two weeks prior liquid diet. So I shed uh, 40 pounds doing that. So just in those 40 pounds, it was enough for me to really get uh, a, a lot better quality of movement going around without being so sore. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just a repetition of doing it and learning that healthier habit and kind of getting into a flow, a groove of doing it. So your body kind of knows how to recognize, okay, it's been a while, I should probably get up and go walk. It won't be such a foreign situation to you if you kind of do a little bit of the work pre, you know, pre-op. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, the the other thing that I, that I would recommend, I, um, I, I couldn't sleep. Well, I had a really difficult time sleeping. It, it definitely took me some time and sleeping in a recliner. If I had access to one probably would have been a better, a better way for me to recover. But same thing. I slept on propped up pillows. The hospital also on, maybe it was like towards the middle of the night in my recovery. And I was having a lot of um, abdominal pain because obviously that's where all, all your work was done. And the nurse asked me, she said, you know, would you like a belly binder? And I was like, I don't know what that is and how would it help me? And it's just basically a big, you know, like, like a waist trainer almost, right? There was yeah. just this big compressive garment that you put over your abdomen. And uh, she brought one in for me to try. Oh my God, was that a game changer for me? So I would absolutely recommend ask your surgeon or ask the hospital if one will be provided for you. And if it's not, you can actually buy them on Amazon. They're not, they're, they're not too, too expensive, but it was just a huge help because it, it, it's so compressive. It just keeps everything tight in. And for me, I'm not a back sleeper. I'm a side sleeper. And it was very painful for me to, to go on the side. But what I noticed is that if I slept in a belly binder, the first couple of weeks after surgery, I just got a quality sleep. It, it was a big, a big help. It just supports your, your abdomen muscles as you're, you know, just even like sitting up from bed and like using the restroom, you don't realize how many muscles you use just in those actions. So to have that, that compress that belly binder on when I was sleeping and all throughout my day was a really huge help. So I would ask your surgeon, ask your doctor, and then, you know, look into what your options are, but that would be something that I would recommend. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that as well. I was actually, I came out of surgery with one on and made sure I kept mine on for the first, uh, probably, I want to say the first, at least the first three weeks until it got to a point where they had fastened it. Um, it started to slip and slide around and move around because I was losing the inches and stuff. And then after I took it off, I I remember now I took it off and walked, I I walked around the block to see kind of how it felt. And the first time I did it without the binder on, it felt weird. Because yeah. there was movement that there hadn't been movement in a while. And so it was it was kind of strange, but it didn't hurt. It was just a weird sensation. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I knew I could take it off and I didn't really need it anymore. But yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's, that's something you definitely want to ask about because it does make a huge difference. Yep. Absolutely. A really great, really great thing to pick up to aid in your recovery. Now you can, you can buy that pre-surgery and and have it ready to go with you. You can even take it with you to the hospital and then that's what, that's Mm -hmm. what they'll, they'll put on you the first time. So definitely. 
the other two things that I would really recommend in prepping for your recovery. So the work that you do now pre-op to help you, you know, recover after surgery is make gratitude a part of your day. I think when we're in emotional and physical pain, we often go to why me? But if gratitude is part of your practice, all of a sudden you don't have any more space for the why me, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful for this opportunity or I'm thankful for the medical doctors or I'm thankful for my ability to, to add this tool, right? Whatever you need, whatever you are thankful for, weight loss surgery related or not, I think adding gratitude now in your day will help make your recovery easier, right? You're, you're going to be focusing more on what you do have. You're going to be th focusing on what you're thankful for and not focusing on maybe what's not feeling good or, or what's not, not going right. So my recommendation is make gratitude a part of your day. And then the other uh, thing that I would recommend is that before surgery, just knowing that you're using food now in some way to, to comfort you, right? You're using food other than just for nutrition, knowing that you are going to try to use something else after surgery is powerful, right? So after surgery, when you are feeling sad or angry or upset, or you fill in the blank, you're going to go to something else so that you don't have to feel those feelings. Just starting to think about that, you know, knowing that you are going to try to transfer right that addiction or you're going to try to transfer that feeling of numbing out to something else is going to be powerful because everybody's going to do it and recognizing that that's something that you're going to do and then kind of starting to think now about okay you know what what's going to be my game plan when i notice that that i'm that i'm doing that is is huge and maybe just the place to start is i have to, i have to get good with recognizing when i'm using food for something other than nutrition so getting your brain uh, geared towards noticing those things is going to help you notice when you are trying to do that after surgery, because you're going to be in a lot of pain. You're going to be mad, upset. You're going to be going through, you know, your hormones are all over the place, right? After surgery, it's just a whole new landscape. But to know that you're going to try to avoid those feelings of hurt and pain and anger by doing something else is, is key because you don't want to do that. After surgery, you just want to sit with those emotions. You want to deal with them. And you need to learn that dealing with those emotions is not going to kill you, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Whereas before surgery, you maybe have doubts about that. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my recommendation for the work that you can do now before surgery. Well, and, a, and another way to look at that too, is you can also take the, the connection that you had with food and you can also kind of make that same connection with your recovery, with your, you know, the positive steps and you can take, take all that determination that you had to get the food that wasn't good for you and take that and put that determination towards walking or getting your water in or getting your protein. You, there's, there's positive ways to transfer. If you know, I mean, you know, now that you know ahead of time that it's actually coming, you kind of know how to get, like April said, kind of game plan it a little better. So you could look at it and say, well, you know, if that does come up, I'm just going to take that same addiction to food and I'm going to make it an addiction to fluids or protein or walking or exercise or whatever it may be. You know, we've all got something that we've always wanted to do, but our weights held us back from, you know, make it into that, make it into something positive, whether it be hiking or, you know, 
fishing or what, whatever it may be. You may have something out there that you really wanted to do, but you've never been able to. Well, with this new tool, you'll be able to because you're you're going to have more mobility. You know, you're, you're going to have a lot of things. The inflammation and stuff's going to go down because you're not going to be ingesting the same types and amounts of foods that you were. You know, th things are going to get better. So for you going forward, you're going to be able to do, you know, a lot of things that you weren't able to do before. So you can always just, you know, the ways to look at it and say it's either transference or you're just swapping one addiction for another. But you can also use po more positive terms such as repurpose. You know, you can always take some, you know, take your addiction for food. You can repurpose that into an addiction for being healthy. You know, you may not have been a gym person before, but, you know, you're going to have the energy to go now because, you know, when you have the surgery, you get everything situated, you're going to have more energy than you've had in probably 10 years. So, um, you know, you use those things for, for positive, you know, use those powers for good and not evil, and you're going to win out in the end. Yep, absolutely. And I think as long as you are, as long as you're recognizing when, when you're feeling emotional or you're, you know, you... You, you face whatever is causing those emotions head on, yeah, then you absolutely can, can use that to power the positive things in your life. Yeah, so when, you, when you're feeling sad, you can acknowledge that you're sad, you can figure out why, and then instead of eating, you can go for a walk, or you can go for a kayak, or you can go fishing. Yeah, you absolutely turn, turn that on its head and turn it and use, use the positive things that are coming out of these changes to, to better your life. Absolutely. All right. So the very last thing we wanted to talk about is your quote unquote last meal. And if you don't mind, Jason, uh, so if you guys have been listening to us for a while at the end of our podcast, Jason, and I ask us, we ask each other a surprise question, just something that we absolutely don't know that's coming so that we can be candid in our responses. So my surprise question is related to, to this last meal uh, portion. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you now, but my surprise question for you is, did you have a last meal? And do you regret it having that last meal? I, I did have a last meal and I absolutely do not even to this day regret it. Um, <laughs> I, I had a, a fantastically cooked medium 22 ounce porterhouse with double mashed potatoes and uh, chocolate lava cake uh, when it was all said and done. <laughs> um, I do not regret it because it was amazing. Uh, every bite of it was fantastic. <laughs> And um, it just, as I like to call it, my farewell to food tour, it was the weekend before my surgery and I ate all weekend long. I ate every place that I wanted to eat that I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat after the fact. So I went and had the best pizza in town that I knew. I went and had the best steak. Like I, I had it all. I had a big bowl of chicken Alfredo, which is my favorite or used to be my favorite, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that I, I definitely did. And I, I rode that until the wheels fell off I, I, all weekend long, right up until the time I couldn't eat anymore. I love it. So the, the reason that I ask you that is because, you know, I, I, I too had a last meal, but I couldn't tell you what I actually ate. And the further I get out from surgery, I feel this is my, this is my personal thoughts, but the whole concept of, of a last meal is just total bullshit. It's, it's lies because whatever I ate as my last meal, I 
I know that I'm eating now. So I think maybe my last meal might've been, it might've either been tacos or maybe Red Robin. I love Red Robin mozzarella sticks. Maybe that was, maybe that was the last meal. My last meal was Red Robin. But since I've had surgery, I have been back to Red Robin. I have eaten a half of a mozzarella stick, right? So, I mean, it's like all of these foods that I thought I would never be able to eat again, you know, I have been able to eat. Now, after surgery, there might be foods that you can't tolerate. And maybe one of those foods is what used to be, you know, your favorite. But I think I worked up in my brain. I got so worked up over the fact of like, oh my God, like this is my last meal and I'm never going to be able to enjoy this again. And, you know, just like, woe is me, sad, 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 sad. And now that I'm 10 months out, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I can enjoy all of the foods that I used to enjoy before. What the hell was I freaking out about? Now, correct. I can't go eat four Red Robin mozzarella sticks and then have their Whiskey River barbecue chicken wrap. No, I cannot eat that quantity of food. But if I got a beer in my bonnet and I absolutely wanted some Red Robin mozzarella sticks, I could drag my ass to Red Robin, pick it up to go and eat a fourth of a mozzarella stick and a couple bites of the, of the wrap. I can still do that. So, you know, this, this concept of this, you know, last meal and, and all the stuff that goes with it, you know, while I think in the moment, maybe it's important. Sometimes I think it's a little bit dangerous though, because we, we trick ourselves into thinking that I'm never going to have that again. And it like, I'm sure, I mean, have you had a porterhouse steak since surgery? Have you had steak since surgery? I have had steaks and surgery, uh, just very small portions now. It's four ounces instead of 22, and there's no mashed potatoes. There's a, I can do, uh, let's see, I think the last time I did it, I had four ounces of steak and three green beans, and that was my entire. Okay, but was that steak as delicious now as it was before? It definitely was. Yeah, okay. the, only, the only thing that I have not been able to eat since the surgery that I did have on my my weekend of Edapalooza was uh <laughs> we have a gro- we have a grocery store it was for our listeners on the east coast you'll know um we have a grocery store called Publix and they just absolutely love you there everything is made with love everybody there is like family and they make the best fried chicken that there is no demand um and I used to eat I would get a family box, which had about 30 wings in it. And I would, I would almost just cash out the whole box every time by myself. And I, I have not had that since surgery. Cause I just, it's just super fried and I just can't. So I'm not, I'm not even opening that window because that's all bad. Nothing, nothing good comes from that. So um, I air fry wings now and have a wing and it's the best thing ever. But yeah, as far as that goes, the thing that I've, that sandwiches that I've just completely cut out, there's no, because fat, pillowy, artisan white bread to me is just the best thing ever. And I just can't, I I can't, because I know, I can't just have a normal sandwich because I'm just going to be, I I mean, I I bet I'd get a bite in and just be done. So (laughs) it's not even worth it to me. Nope. And I think, and I guess really that that's the point that, that's the the point that I want to make is that after surgery, no food is, is necessarily off limits. 
what you are going to find is that there are some foods that don't agree with you any longer and will make you physically sick. So clearly you, you won't eat those because you don't want to be sick. And then there are some foods that are our magic gateway drug. You know, like I swear to God, dare's a bunch of bullshit because it's not drugs, it's food. Food is the gateway to like an unhappy, and then not happy life to be like dare, dare to keep kids away from potato chips. But right. So, so there are just, there, there are some foods that we know we can't enjoy anymore because they are a gateway to, to, to regain. But in terms of like last meal and like, woe is me over food and oh my gosh, this is so sad. I just think it's bullshit. I, I think if you want to have a last meal, absolutely go for it, but do not obsess over it because that is not the last time that you're going to be able to enjoy those foods more than likely. And that, um, you know, your last meal is just a story that you're telling yourself. I think Jason, you could probably recognize now your, your food of Palooza, right? The, the, the victory lap that you took with food. It was just a story that you were telling yourself. And that story is not, it's not true. It's not accurate. And that's okay. You're right. You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Well, of course I'm right. I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. I think we covered so much today. So I'm just going to go through the list really quickly. So we talked about how to prepare for like the medical, the insurance requirements. We talked about uh, the emotional things that we can prepare for. We've talked about how the importance of pictures and measurements before surgery and, and getting those numbers. We talked about how we can prepare our family and friends for uh, our, our surgery. We've talked about how to prep our spaces. We've talked about the last meal. We've talked about how we can prepare before surgery for our recovery after surgery. There was a lot there. There was a lot there. Uh, do you think, is there anything that we miss? Is there anything you want to make sure that people know or aware about or are thinking about? I think we covered, I mean, as far as our experiences go, I think we covered pretty much everything that, that we could bring to the table. If there's, you know, anybody listening or watching that feels like we didn't cover something or that you have another question about, because a lot of times that's what the, what'll happen is, is the things that we do say or discuss will bring up other questions and we've got no problem answering those. So if that's the case, please uh, message April or myself or just message to West page and we'll be more than happy but discuss those, uh, chat with you about it. And if we need to set up a Zoom meeting and all get together in conference about it, we can do that too. Um, just let us know because at the end of the day, like we always say, that's what we're here for is to help support. Um, our, you know, our information may not be the, exactly the same as what you're going through. And if you have a question that we can't answer, I promise you we'll get the answer to it regardless. Because like we always like to say, we're not experts, but we We've got a couple, uh, you know, in our in our wheelhouse. So we'll make sure and reach out to the uh, to to the to the proper brain trust uh, if need be. Yep, absolutely. And I think too, it's important. There's a lot of different resources out there for how you can best prepare for surgery. I think it's super important that you read and listen and utilize as many of those as you possibly can, and then make yourself a checklist. So just like the checklist that you got for your medical and insurance requirements, make yourself a personal checklist for how you're going to prepare for surgery and then things that you're going to need after surgery. That would probably be, um, be a really big help for you. And then just keep, keep, you know, work down that checklist and uh, until you get to the end and hopefully by the time that you're at the end, you'll, you'll be at your surgery date and you'll be ready to go and super prepared for life after life after bariatric surgery. 
So, all right, Jason, do you have a surprise question for me that you'd like to, to ask? Actually, I mulled over like three surprise questions and you answered every single one of them when we were talking. <laughs> with our stuff. There you go. Perfect. So you, you, you talked yourself out of a surprise question. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. We, we did enough talking for, I think, surprise questions for years at this point. So <laughs> mission accomplished. There so uh, as, as Jason said, uh, said before, we are here to support the community, the community. We are not experts, but we know some experts and we're happy to seek out those answers. And really, we just want to provide support in the areas that we feel are, are missing from this community. So in order for us to do that, though, we need your feedback. So if you have any suggestions, ideas, topics, things that you want to explore more in depth, please let us know. We, we already invited our first guest on, on the podcast, and it's um, actually, I think that that episode is light, ep episode five, where we really dive into like, okay, how do I, how do I start this, this dialogue with myself on identity? So we would love to invite you on the podcast to have these conversations with us. Uh, we exist because of the community, and we are a part of the community. So our goal is not to be exclusive. Our goal is to be inclusive. So please offer us your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking so that we can, we can create that content and, and share it with the community. And then of course, the best way to do that is just to like, share, offer your reviews and offer us your feedback about this format or just about everything that you're seeing because we only want to provide things that are of value to this community. And we don't know if something is valuable or not valuable if you don't offer us that feedback. So you're not gonna hurt our feelings. You're not gonna make us mad, sad, or upset. We absolutely want that feedback. So there's multiple ways that you can get a hold of us. Our group page is East to West Weight Loss Surgery on Instagram. You can message us there. Jason and I are always checking, always responding. And when we do respond, we, we try hard to say like, oh, this is April or oh, this is Jason, just so you know who, who you're talking to. But we're both equally involved with that with that page. And then of course you can message us independently as well. Uh, I'm actively April on Instagram. Jason is the Smithsonian, T-H-A underscore Smithsonian. You can message him directly. We're happy to talk, uh, talk about you with anything there. So if you just have a private question and you want to ask us, you can message us. We're real people. We will respond and we will have conversations with you. Uh, Becca, uh, refreshing, I think it's a refining, refreshing Becca. Re refreshing, yeah. Refreshing Becca. She reached out to both of us with questions and we've just been going back and forth uh, co constantly. In fact, we, we're so close with her now. She refers to us as her VSG mom and dad. So <laughs> that's still hilarious to me. We love it. I, when she first told me that, I was like, bitch, I could not be your mother. And then Jason, you were like, um, hey, friend, you're 39. Yeah, she, she could absolutely be your daughter. And I was like, oh, hell no. And now, now it's 100%. Yeah, now it's now it's a sign of honor that I get to be her VSG mom. So I'm very happy about that. So definitely do. Uh, yeah, do that. Follow us, like us on Instagram, on YouTube, on the podcast, give those reviews. Yeah, we're just, the, re the reviews are extremely important because it's going to help us to get the word out to others and to continue to share. So please, if you listen and you like what you hear, leave a review. Um, you know, we and like like April said, if there's anything we could be better, worse, indifferent, let us know um, because we're not professionals at this. We just saw uh, a gap that needed to be filled in the community and we jumped on it. So. You, any any help you can provide, we would be more than happy to listen to. Absolutely. All right, friend. I think we did it. I think so. <laughs>
at the end of these conversations, I'm always just amazed at how much, yeah, we, we have to share and talk about. So super, super happy with this. I hope you found this in, if you're listening, watching, I hope you found it valuable and useful. And uh, if you know somebody who's about to have surgery, please recommend this as a resource to them. And like what we've always said, if there's more that needs to be added, please let us know so we can, we can do so. All right. Well, if there's nothing further. I think we'll wrap it up for today, but thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Yes, always. Thank you. Yep. All right, you guys have a great week and we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> Bye, Bye guys.